Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. As Jesus was leaving the temple courts, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look what impressive stones these are and what impressive buildings. Jesus said to him, Do you see these large buildings? There will not be one stone here left on top of another. They will all be thrown down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be fulfilled? Jesus began by telling them, Be careful that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. Whenever you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. Such things must happen, but the end is not yet. In fact, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. But be on your guard. People will hand you over to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will stand in the presence of rulers and kings for my sake as a witness to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Whenever they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand what you should say. Say whatever is given to you in that hour, because you will not be the one speaking. Instead, it will be the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rise up against their parents and put them to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it should not be, Let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea should flee to the mountains. The one who is on the housetop should not go down or enter to take anything out of his house. The one who is in the field should not return to get his clothes. How terrible it will be for those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that this will not happen in winter. For in those days there will be distress of such a kind as has not happened from the beginning of creation until now, and surely never will be again. If the Lord had not shortened those days, no one would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened those days. Then if someone tells you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise up and perform signs and wonders to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard, I have told you everything in advance. But after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then you will see the Son of Man coming on clouds with great power and glory. At that time, he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of the sky. Learn from this illustration of the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things happening, you will know that he is near, at the doors. Amen, I tell you. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Watch, be alert and pray, because you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going away on a journey. When he left his home, he put his servants in charge and assigned what each one was to do. He also commanded the doorkeeper to keep watch. 
Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house is coming, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or early in the morning. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, keep watch. This is the word of our God. A little over 19 years after the posting of the 95 Theses, Martin Luther was asked to write a statement of faith for the Small Called League. The Small Called League was a political alliance, an association of Lutheran territories and cities that formed in 1531 in Small Called Germany as a defense against anyone who would try to eliminate Lutheranism by force. So five years later, December 1536, Luther was asked to write a confession of faith at the beginning of December. About midway through December, he had what appears to have been an apparent heart attack. And so then he hurried up to write what we call the small called articles, which were his personal confession of faith and um, and would be the official confession of faith of the small called league. Of course, in addition to the Augsburg Confession, which had been accepted a number of years earlier. And when Martin Luther describes this in the first part of of the small called articles, he begins with basically, who is God? Um, kind of like the Apostles' Creed, basically. But then he gets to the chief article in the second part. Um, the chief article is justification by grace through faith. And this is what he says. First and chief article is this, Jesus Christ, our God and Lord, died for our sins and was raised again for our justification. He alone is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and God has laid upon him the iniquities of us all. All have sinned and are justified freely without their own works or merits by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus in his blood. This is necessary to believe. This cannot be otherwise acquired or grasped by any work, law, or merit. Therefore, it is clear and certain that this faith alone justifies. According to Romans 3, For we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from works of the law, and that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And the point that I'm kind of getting at with with today's reading is, um, is the fifth point in this chief article, that nothing of this article can be yielded or surrendered, even though heaven and earth and everything else falls. And in the edition of the Book of Concord that I've been using, there is an editorial edition there where the editor says, oh, this probably alludes to Mark chapter 13, um, especially verse, verse 31, where Jesus had said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And what a comfort that the words of Jesus will remain forever, and we are to hold on to them. <laughs> So then when we get to, we turn our attention to Mark chapter 13, our reading for today, and, um, and I think the most important thing to realize when we read through this is that the disciples ask two questions. The disciples were apparently marveling at the impressive buildings in verse 1. Uh, verse 2, Jesus says, There will not be one stone here left on top of another. They will all be thrown down. And so Peter, Andrew, James, and John come and speak to him privately. And they ask two questions. When will these things happen? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be fulfilled? And apparently their idea, their conception, is that these things must happen, can, could only happen at the very end of time. Um, 
that these impressive, incredible buildings would be standing until the very end of time. And so when they ask these two questions, they also have their assumptions about when it would all happen. The, the double question, when will these things happen and what will be the sign? And so Jesus, as he answers this, he kind of goes back and forth between talking about when and what will be the sign. And he kind of answers those two questions with the same general content. And a lot of the content in this chapter parallels what God had said back in the book of Daniel, especially in Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 12, as well as paralleled later in the book of Revelation, um, where Daniel was looking ahead to the eventual judgment, as well as some of the events that happened between the Old Testament and New Testament times. And now Jesus draws on the wording of Daniel to point ahead to the end of time. And then John, when he's writing Revelation, as God gives him this specific revelation, a lot of the way that he writes about, you know, the visions that he sees are going to parallel exactly what Jesus says here, as well as what Jesus says in the parallel chapter of Matthew. I think that's Matthew chapter 24. And what we really see is, first of all, comfort for the believer. Um, verse 10, the gospel must first be preached to all nations that despite the persecution that would be coming, despite the suffering that would be coming on the world, Jesus says that his word would triumph. And that's why we begin with that little part from the small called articles, where we hear about the, the truth that Jesus has done it all, Jesus has won it all for your forgiveness and mine, and that his word will endure forever. And so in this section, what we really see is that for all of us, um, all of history is to be a sign which alerts us to the coming of the end. Um, exactly what the disciples asked in verse 4, what will be, when will all these things happen? What will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Um, and so the signs about the coming of the end include the war-torn history of the world. If you're looking at along in your paper Bible, verses 3 through 8, um, wars and rumors of wars, uh, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, um, that's a sign that Jesus is coming soon. The history of the persecuted church and the preaching of the gospel to all people, um, in spite of our failures as people, <laughs> um, you will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. This is really verses 9 through 13. Um, you will stand before governors and kings. The gospel will be preached to all nations. When you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand what you will say. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Um, so the persecution of the church throughout history is a continued sign of the coming of the end. So we have the signs in the history of the world. We have the signs in the history of the church. Then Jesus talks about um, really verses, I guess, 14 through 23 um, is signs within Judea and Jerusalem itself. The appearance of the abomination that causes desolation, that is to say the Gentiles marching into the temple itself. And in that particular section, uh, really verses 14 through 23, um, we have a slightly more specific prophecy about the destruction of Jerusalem and the slightly more specific detail about the conduct of the Israelite people when the Romans come to town and the warning that Jesus gives there that, that even that generation would experience the destruction of Jerusalem, which would only happen 30 to 35 years later, um, despite the appearances of false Christs looking to try and rescue, try and rescue the Israelite people from the impending political destruction and warfare of the Romans that they would not be able to. But above all, 
above all is the sign that points to the coming of the Son of Man in power and glory, to gather his elect from all the earth. In those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Um, there, another reference to the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, I believe. And that's part of the reason why we're looking at um, a lot of Old Testament prophets as well, because these Old Testament prophets, um, whether minor prophets, um, who typically have shorter books, we don't know as much about historically, or major prophets who have larger books, such as Isaiah, Ezekiel, or Jeremiah, um, and that we do know a little bit more about historically, all of them serve to inform and shape and help us understand the prophecy and applications that are made in the New Testament. And so what shall we learn from all this? When the disciples, first of all, marvel at the buildings. Well, <laughs> number one, um, that we need to see glory where it is to be found. Glory is not found in the accomplishments of man, but in the work of God, in the work of God of baptizing, forgiving sin, creating and building a church that will stand forever. Um, and what is it that also will stand forever the word of our Lord, that our Lord has promised that heaven and earth may fall, but my words will never pass away. And what else may we learn? Well, we shouldn't be surprised if and when persecution comes or if and when wars and rumors of wars, we shouldn't be wringing our hands in distress as the media hypes us up and tries to manipulate our emotions for their own personal gain. We shouldn't be distressed at these things. Rather, lift up your eyes because the Lord's coming is near. And then after you've lifted up your eyes in prayer and drawn your comfort from the word of God, then look around to your neighbor. Who do you know that would be caught unprepared when Jesus returns? Or maybe just take a step back from that. Who is it that you know that is distressed by the turmoil of these days? Um, the wars and rumors of wars, the fighting among nations and, and the like. Because that's an opportunity to speak. To speak not about the glory of this world and the power of this world that fades away, but to speak about the glory and the power of our Lord, which will never fade away. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, check out the show notes in order to contact us or hit that share button to share with a friend. God bless your day.